0: Thanks. Hey, we've had the privilege this weekend to um, learn from a man who God has gifted wonderfully. Um, I said this the other day at the beginning of the conference. I only had one class with Dr. Jim Cofield. Uh, it's a pastoral uh, an introduction to pastoral counseling class where he tries to teach a bunch of very rigid, hard-hearted past future pastors how to love people better. Um, and the, the, the I, I considered after that class, perhaps pursuing the counseling program at RTS, which he helps oversee, in large part because Jim Cofield's one of those people, even when you just see, see him from the front of a classroom and from a stage, you say, I, I want to hang out with that guy. And, I mean, he's really cool. I mean, you're really cool. I mean, <laughs> um, but, but primarily it's because um, he, he oozes the gospel. It just comes out of him. And the way he shares his life and and shares about the good news of Jesus and his humility. And so um, I'm really delighted that he gets to come and proclaim that gospel to us this morning. So brother, we're grateful for you and we're, we're glad you're here.
1: really been a pleasure to be here this weekend. Um, I don't know Teddy Smith, uh, but there's some parallel stories that I do know. Um, I have a Teddy Smith in my family. My oldest son, Skyler, is autistic, and I wonder of how he will be loved by a church and a congregation someday after we're gone. Um, so this morning, what I'd like us to do together is I'd like us to look at a story in the Bible that's a Teddy Smith story. It's a story that when you first hear it, you think, I think I've heard that name before, but it only shows up in four chapters in the entire Bible, 18 times his name shows up. And it's a story of Mephibosheth. And I'd like us to look at that story together for just a few minutes, because you and I are Mephibosheth. David in this story is our high priest. Um, And if you see yourself as Mephibosheth, as Teddy, as Skylar, I think it'll change the way you live. Now, I'm going to do something today. I'm going to introduce you to a disease you didn't know you had. But just like a a counselor, psychologist sort of person, I'm going to then tell you what the cure of it is. So you're going to find out that you have a disease you didn't know you have. And we'll get the cure of it all in one hour. I think that's just great. Um, so um, it's just a, a, a privilege just to have been here with you. Um, the person who taught me about this disease is my son. He's, he's the best theologian I've ever met. I work with theologians at RTS, and they're just some of the smartest guys in the going. But probably the best theologian that's taught me the most about God would be my son Skyler. And. Let me tell you a quick story of where he taught me probably one of the most important things about faith. But before we go any further, before we talk about God and before we look at his word together, let's talk to him. Could we just pray together? Father, thanks for this privilege to be here with these folks at this time. Father, we pray that your spirit would blow through here like a mighty wind this day. Father, everybody in this room is here by your design. There's not a surprise here. So you know the people that are just barely hanging on. You know the people that have been struggling the last few weeks. You know the people that are doing well. You know the people that fought on their way in. Everyone here is someone you've chosen and brought here this day. So would you use this time in all of our lives? Father, for the people that are too comfortable, would you use this time to disrupt them? For the people that are disrupted, would you use this time to comfort them that we would see you and that this time would glorify you as our prayer. We pray in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Skylar and I ride a two-seater bicycle. By the way, if if you're getting ready to get married to somebody, don't do premarital counseling. Just ride a two-seater bicycle with them. (laughs) If you can go about five miles on that with a partner, you'll do okay. Because it's just a it's just a goat rodeo. You've got you, you've got one person steering and one person. It just is it's just a bad idea. And so <laughs> Skylar can't my, my son Skylar can't hold himself up by himself. So we have this two seater bike, and we we're two pretty good sized guys. We 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 make a sight going down the road together. And we were we were. Um, we were riding, um, and in Florida, where I'm from Orlando, Florida, and in Florida, sand's everywhere, and so we're coming around the corner, and the back wheel hits a patch of sand. And Skylar's on the back, and the back wheel starts to come out from under us. I mean, and these bikes, if you've ever seen them, they're, they're, they're really, really long, and so the back wheel starts to kind of slide out from under us, and, um, and I realize we're, we're, we're going down. And, uh, and and for Skyler, that means he would never get on the bike again, um, because he doesn't like change very well, and and he th- this was going to be it. And so, I thought I've got to hold this bike up, I and mean, we we're going to have to make it. And so, we're coming around with the the bike still turning, and so I I pull off of the of the of the seat, and I'm and I'm holding I'm, I'm trying to hold the bike. The bike is still moving, and 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 now the problem is. Schuyler doesn't understand the physics of it at all. So, you know, you would know to lean the certain way to keep it from going. He's leaning the wrong way. The momentum is going, going further and I'm, and I'm holding the thing up as best I can and it's still moving forward and I'm trying to make the thing go and, 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 I, and I overcorrect and, I, you know, I finally, I just pull it, I overcorrect and so he and his momentum, I mean, he's a good-sized guy. His momentum now goes to the other side. Now we're starting to fall off the other side, and I'm pulling the thing up, and it's still even moving forward because it's, it's, but we're out of the sand patch, so it looks like, and we finally come to a stop. And my knuckles are just white, and I'm holding on to that thing, and, and we didn't fall down. And I take a deep breath, and I look back, and Skyler clenches his fist at me. And he says, don't you ever do that to me again. <laughs> and I and, and I said, okay. And, and as we started as we started to, to head back to the house, it it hit me. Um, that's me with my heavenly father. He is holding me up. He is sustaining me. I don't even know how to lean to make life work. I am, I, I am the reason we're falling. I haven't peddled my share of anything. And as soon as it starts to get tough, as soon as things don't make sense to me, I clench my fist at God and say, why are you making it so hard on me? Why do you make it so hard? Why is life so hard? And I realized at that moment that I suffer from spiritual autism. So do you. The gap between Teddy's mind and many of your minds would be about this far. The gap between my son Skylar's mind and my mind would be about this far. But the gap between our Heavenly Father and the priest who speaks between us, Christ, and my mind, can't be measured. And so often what my problem is is I just don't understand because I can't understand. I don't understand the spiritual aspects of it all. I'm just sitting on the back of the bike wanting it to be an easier ride. And I suffer from the same thing spiritually, that Teddy, Schuyler suffer from cognitively. We're all riding the short bus to glory. We're, we're all special needs. Every one of us is broken, scared. And we don't really know. And we don't even know what we don't know. And he's chosen us. He's pursued us. And he invites us to ride with him to glory, to make a difference, to to be a part of his great redemptive story. He he invites us to be a part of that. And we just get mad because it seems shakier than we thought it would be. So, my fellow special needs friends, I'd like to introduce you to Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth had a crisis happen early in his life. You'll find the story of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel, I'll have you turn to another passage, but just you don't have to turn to this one. I just want to tell you about this one, then we'll go to we're going to be in 2 Samuel 9 most of the morning. But 2 Samuel 4 is where we first meet Mephibosheth. And here's what's happened. David is won. We're about to have an election coming up. What happened back then is when a king won, the previous kings would run for the hills because they could be killed; their lives were in danger. And so, when David won, Saul and his they, 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 his his people all ran for the hills. Now, Mephibosheth um, was in that family, and he was um, and his nurse picked him up, um, and and ran with him. And as she was running, she dropped him, and he became crippled in both of his legs. And the rest of his life, he was crippled, disabled. And he ran to live in exile because he was afraid of what David may do to him. That's Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Now, I want to tell you, the first thing I want you to know is that there's some people who live like Mephibosheth in exile. You see, the way you see God and the way you see yourself and the way you think God sees you will determine how you live life. That's just true. The way you see God, the way you see yourself, and the way you think God sees you will determine how you live your life. And Mephibosheth, he thought David was out to get him was wanting to punish him and that he'd better hide. He thought his past disqualified him from relationship and safety, and so he was in exile, hiding away. Now, there's a few of you in this room that hide away in religiosity, but deep down, you believe you're disqualified for the kingdom of God. You believe that you're too crippled, you're too broken. There's something wrong with you. It could be something that happened to you, like Mephibosheth, or something you've done. But whatever it is, you believe your past disqualifies you. You believe you're damaged merchandise, that you're just not, yeah, this is true for other people, but you don't know me. Well, that'd be Mephibosheth. As a matter of fact, in a little bit, you're going to see that Mephibosheth called himself a dog. He called himself a dead dog. That's how he saw himself. So how do you see the king, somebody to be afraid of, how do you see himself as a dog? How he thought the king saw him? As an enemy. But that's not the truth of the story. How often do we live our lives based on a lie and we live our whole life on something that isn't true? What was true was David was looking for someone to bless because of his relationship with Jonathan. Let's go to that part. Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel 9. David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now you realize David made a covenant with Jonathan. There's a little bit of similarity there for you and I. We are part of a, the lineage, we're royal lineage in the sense that we're image bearers of God that have fallen away, but because of a covenant, God is the work of Christ. He pursues us. David asks, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I will show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant in Saul's household. His name was Ziba. They called him to appear before David, the king, and said, are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. "Hmm." So I guess you can either be afraid of the king or be a servant of the king, or a son of the king. Let's keep reading. The king asked, is there no one still left in the house of Saul, whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. There's a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he's in the house of Mirkor, son of Almiel and Lodabar. So David, said to the, so David had him brought from Lodabar, Asimarcha, son of Emile, and Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan and son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay honor to him. So what's happened is Ziba, the servant, comes into David. David is saying, is there anybody I can show kindness to because of my covenant I've made with Jonathan? Ziba says, well, there's, there's one guy but he's, no he's not much good to you. I mean, he, he's crippled in both feet. He can't, he can't work for you. He, I mean, what, what can he do for you? There's not much he can offer you. Please be aware of this. God didn't choose you and invite you to the kingdom of God to use you. He didn't save you to use you. He saved you because he loves you. He can reach the world without our help. He invites you to be a part of his kingdom because he wants you to have a purposeful life. But let me tell you just a quick story. Then we'll get back to Mephibosheth. Is that okay? I'm not a very handy man. I don't, I don't do any of the man tasks well. I don't kill things, fix things, or make things. I, I just don't do the man tasks well. For Christmas this past year, my, my daughter made me a man box, her and her fiance, and it was you break the glass, and it had an axe in it, a cigar. I mean, it was just man stuff, you know, because I, I don't I don't fix things very well. So we had a doorknob on our front door break. It would have taken, it would have taken you an hour to fix. It would have taken most of you about an hour to fix. It'd take me about two and a half hours to fix. So I decided. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I've got a PhD. I'm going to change my doorknob. I mean, how hard is that? (laughs) My respect factor just went to zero in this room. Every man went, (laughs) I'm not listening to this guy anymore. So can't ride a bike and he can't fix a door. (laughs) Why'd we invite him anyway? So we come up, I, I said, you know, I make an announcement. I mean, you don't, when you don't fix things very often, when you do, you want to make a big deal out of it. So I Announced this to the family, and Skyler says, "I want to help." Well, what would have been a two-hour job? Now, has, I've got a helper. And Skyler, he grabbed a, a ham a hammer and hit hitting the bottom of the door. And when I pulled the two bolts out, he grabbed them and ran through the house. And I had to chase after him, saying, "Come back! We need those doors." And and it was. We finally got it in, and I, and I put it on backwards so that the, you know, it was one of those handles that's supposed to go like this, but instead it had to go up, and I go, <laughs> great, I've got to redo the whole thing. So we pulled the whole thing out. He's hitting the door. Mona comes home when we finish, my wife. Skylar sticks out his chest. He says, Mom, look what I did. <laughs> I fixed the door. (laughs) Now, the truth is, I could have done it better without him. But he needed to be about his dad's business. He needed to feel like what he did mattered. And so we took longer, and he was invited to be about a big story Remember when the Pharisees told Jesus to shut the people up and he said, I could get the rocks to sing my praises. God doesn't need you, he wants you. He did not save you to use you, he saved you because he loves you. And he does love you. Methibosheth wasn't much good to David. David pursued him because of the covenant he'd made with Jonathan. God wants you and he loves you. But he could redeem this world back into himself without us. He's just chosen to put you into his big story. It's great to have a part in a big story. Let's pick this story back up. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to honor him. And David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said, for I'll surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I'll restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is, your, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? The king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him, bring him the crops so that your master's grandson will be provided for. And Mephibosheth's grandson uh, of your master will always eat at my table Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem. Listen to this last line in this passage. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. Just so much in that passage. First of all, the God that we speak of, the God that we sing about has pursued you. Because of the work of Christ, just like because of the covenant David made with Jonathan, he pursues you. And it's not because of what you offer him he's pursued you. It's because of what he wants to offer you. First thing I would want you to tell tell you is we serve a faithful God who's pursued you and invited you to live and sit at his table. To live as his sons and daughters. And we can stop the sermon right there and go home. That's not a bad place to stop. But that's not the end of this story. Because... If your life is going to look like God's story, you're going to to know there's going to be fall and struggle and betrayal because in his story, there's that as well. So what happens next for Mephibosheth is David goes off to war and Mephibosheth is, is home. Now remember, you've got two characters here, Ziba, a servant, and Mephibosheth, an exiled, now... Invited son of David. Well, they needed some supplies in the front lines, so Zeba put together a group of a group of people to bring some supplies to David. And when are we out there, Zeba? Because a servant is always trying to figure out how to get an angle and what they, how they can get with more. See, a servant. A servant is always looking for what they get out of it. Sometimes we live with God as servants. We think, what do I get out of this? So I'm gonna treat, I'm gonna do this, but my kids have better turn out, okay? I'm gonna do this, but I better not get cancer. I'm gonna do this, but I better have my God. I did this for you, you owe me. That's how a servant thinks. So Ziba always working an angle, headed out to the to the front lines with supplies. And when David asks him, where's Mephibosheth? David, I mean, uh, Ziba throws him under the bus and and says, he's a waste. He didn't care. He doesn't care about you. I'm out here caring about you. David hears that, gets angry and says, forget it. I'm gonna give you the land that I gave him. You're out here being faithful, he's not. Essentially, that's what happens. And that's where the, this analogy with our lives falls apart just a little bit. Well, the story continues. Let, let's pick it up. In um, 2 Samuel 19... Start in verse 24. Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. Now, here's what's happened: the king has won the battle. You with me? This this is a great story, but I I may not have told it well. It's told better in here. Now, what do you you understand what's happened? Mephibosheth has been invited. He now lives as a, a son of the king. He's crippled in both feet, can offer very little to the kingdom, but that doesn't matter because it's because of of God's commitment that we're invited to the kingdom. Ziba goes out and does a favor for David when things were really rough. David's ba- David wins the battle. They win the war, and David comes home as a reigning uh, king that has won the battle. You with me? So when David comes home, Mephibosheth, sons, Saul's grandson, also went down to meet the king. So the king has come back after winning the battle. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left till the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king said, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? In other words, why didn't you go out there to help? He said, my lord, the king, since I am your ser- servant am lame, I said, I will have my donkey saddled and I'll ride it so I can go out with the king. But Ziba betrayed me, and he slandered me to you, my Lord the King. My Lord the King is like an angel of God to me. Do whatever pleases you. All of my grandfather's descendants deserve nothing but death from you, my King. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to you, the King, So here's what happened. Now that that sounded kind of weird. He didn't take care of himself, Um, but when you in in that culture, when you grieved, sometimes you would refuse to bathe and fuse. It it was was like, as long as as long as they're in battle, I will. You know, I will. um, I I I won't um, do anything of vanity to myself. There's a way, and sometimes, and culturally, there would be a way to. It'd be equivalent to like sometimes you're in the playoffs when men won't shave the whole time the playoffs are on until their team loses. It's, that it's much more serious than that, but you get the idea. And so Ziba was not taking care of himself, saying, why? Not because he didn't care about David. Right the opposite. He was concerned about David. He was concerned about David. And so... Um, And so what happened is at that point, David realized he'd been duped by Ziba. And so David says, oh, I'm sorry, you can have half of the stuff back. I made a mistake. The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the fields. And then listen to this. Listen to this next line. Mephibosheth said to the king let him take everything now that the lord the king has arrived home safely he can have it all you got three choices it seems of how you relate to God based on Mephibosheth First of all, understanding that all of us are special needs and none of us completely understand it all, spiritually speaking. You can relate to him out of fear and hide from him and live a life of pretending in exile. You could live Ziba's life, live a life, tell a story of a servant that tries to do everything so God will be pleased with you, so you can try to get more fields for yourself. Ultimately, that's a pretty disappointing way to live. Or you can live as a son and sit at his table. Listen to the words of Mephibosheth when David offers him stuff back. He says, forget the stuff. I don't care about the land. My king has returned. That's who I care about. The king has returned. He can have the stuff. Most of us live our lives for false blessings or or, or little trinkets or just stuff. Or we pretend. And God's inviting us to live in such a grander story. He's inviting us to live in this grand story where we, we come and sit at his table and we eat and and live as his sons and his daughters. And most of us settled to live as servants, trying to get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So this morning, I wanted to tell you a Teddy story, a story of a disabled man who had a redemptive story. That's been your story with him. Smith Mephibosheth's story. Now it's important you understand who you are in this story. You're not the star of this story, David is. You're not the star of your story, Christ is. But you get an incredibly important part in the grand story of redemption. You're invited. I'm invited. To sit at his table. In just a moment, Andrew will invite you. Not as a servant, not as someone afraid of God, but as a son and a daughter to sit at his table. And remember the work that he's done so that you don't have to live in exile anymore. So you don't have to live as a servant anymore. You can come and sit at his table. Live as a son or daughter. All of us get confused. Life doesn't make sense sometimes. All of us wonder what God's up to. When the bike starts shaking or when you're in exile and all you can remember are your failures or when life just doesn't seem to make sense. All of us are special needs spiritually autistic children that someday we'll understand I'm like Teddy today someday it'll all make sense but until that day but until that day he's inviting you and me to live as his sons and his daughters. Join him at the table. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we are riding the short bus to glory, but you are taking us home. Would you take my words this morning and the parts of those that are true, would you sear them deeply in our souls? For places where I've missed, would you just let those quickly be forgotten? But Father, we are, you know us all. We need your touch. Most of us live as your servants and we think you owe us yet you've already given us so much. Give us the courage. Give us the faith to live as your beloved chosen sons and daughters. Give us the courage to come to your table. We pray this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen.